0: Hello and welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast. As you listen to this message, I pray that you're built up, encouraged through God's word, and I pray that his Holy Spirit leads you and guides you in the way that you should go. I pray that he gives you answers for your questions, healing and help for your life. Most importantly, I pray that this word helps you to become more like Jesus and a greater influence for him in our church and in your world. Now, let's grow together. Enjoy the message. All right, we've been in a series called Kingdom House for the last couple of months, most of the summer. We've been talking specifically about the DNA of of this church. Like, what do you get when you get Grace Avenue? Like, you can read a church's website, and they can say, this is what we are, this is what we do, and what we believe, and we want to help the city and love Jesus and worship, and blah, blah, blah. Okay, and that's all great, okay? But... You really find out what a church is about when you get integrated into the life of a church, just like you do at a job or a school. You ever been the new person at the job or the new person in the career the new person in the office, and you're trying to feel your way through things to discover, like, what are people like? What is the atmosphere like? You know, what is this whole place about? And so beyond this, I, want, I wanted our church to understand the heart of Grace Avenue. We've talked about several topics over the last couple of months uh, we're writing notes here, so if you need a booklet, raise your hand. If you haven't, uh, just raise your hand. Somebody will get one to you, but we're writing notes in these booklets. And we're on part, actually six today, is it part six, which we had Henry do one last week and I skipped a, he skipped ahead, and then I'm coming back to this one. So today we're talking about helping people prosper and living generously. This is part of the DNA, this is part of the heartbeat of our church. Yeah, if you need a booklet, just put... You hand up, somebody will get one to you. Just keep it up and somebody will get it to you. We're talking about helping people prosper and live generously. Think about that. When when people come in to God's kingdom, uh, the testimony is that God did something. God's doing something. God did something. And then the testimony of their life down the road is that God did more. God did great things. So God prospered someone's life. And that prosperity is often, obviously, spiritually, it's relationally, emotionally, mentally. People get healed of things. They grow from uh, and get over things that they were um, experiencing or dealing with and as a kid or teens or adults. God does a healing work in, in people, and they prosper. Are you with me? Right Now, that's for people who want to prosper. There's those who just go to church on a Sunday, and then they don't connect with God. They don't connect with community. They're not integrated into any spiritual community whatsoever, Christianity, uh, or or a church. And so they're always like one step removed from what could be, from prospering, right? Because example, like, and this is not picking on marriages, okay, but let's say your marriage is in a tough place right now, and you heard marriage group. But the last thing you'll ever do is join a marriage group. The last thing you'll ever do. You're like, well, that's good, but I'm not doing it. Okay? You won't prosper. Now, others will prosper, right? And I don't know to what degree they'll prosper, but they will prosper. And so that's what I'm talking about. There's, the kingdom of God is filled with so many opportunities for us to prosper spiritually, relationally, mentally, emotionally, right? Uh, you don't know you're selfish until you start doing life with people. You think you're kind until you have to get around people who annoy you, who get on your nerves. You think, I'm the nicest person in the world. I, I, you know, I give my parking spots up, yeah. Then somebody sat in your seat at church and you're like, man, I always sit there. Now I got to sit all the way over there, right? Like there's different things that we're experiencing in life and we always think the best of ourselves. But the reality is that there's places in life God wants us to grow. And that's really what today is. And we're we're growing in these things, not just so we can grow for ourselves, but we can grow and prosper and then help others and then live generously from the wealth God has poured into our lives. I See, my kids get to receive the blessing of what God has done. Right? If I stopped prospering back at, at 21 when I got saved, woo! I'm saved, God did it, great. All right, that's all there is. My wife, this church, people my kids, anybody I've ministered to, they would have missed out on the potential that God was presenting me. So it took intentionality. I want to prosper. I I want to be different. I want to grow. I want to live different. I want to see differently. I want to speak differently. I want to think differently. I don't want to stay here. God said, go. (laughs) And often we stay. Go into all the world. But we stay. Because going means you got to pack for the trip. You need your essentials, right? And so when I was about 22, uh, I had to pack for a trip. I was moving out of the country. Uh, I had been living on my own for about five years and then come to the Lord and had a real encounter with Jesus, and my, my whole life was changing. My, my entire life was changing. The city I was living in, the friends I was around, the schedule I had, the people I had, and I, I have never had such a razor sharp, focus, like I did from the time I got saved uh, for probably the next several years. Things were so clear. Things were so specific. Uh, I knew that God had saved me, and I knew I was not going to waste time. I wasted enough time. I knew I was not going to mess around. I knew I was not going to play around with my healing. I knew I was not going to play around with my deliverance and what God had delivered me from and out of. Now, there were certainly temptations and challenges and battles I was dealing with, but in my soul, I knew I don't want to stay here. I am not staying here. Nothing good is behind me. I'm not looking back. And the only thing I'm looking back to is to, is to know that I'm not going back there. Are you with me? Right? And when I got to Australia where I moved, I moved there to go to school. Um, I arrived and part of the, the church that I was connected to, uh, there was a businessman named Peter, and, I was looking for a place to stay. And anyways, long story short, I, I met up with him, and he was a businessman who had a lot of money, had several different houses. I didn't know this. Meet him, shows, shows me the house. So here you go. It's like a three-bedroom house, you know, uh, all windows overlooking the Australian landscape, uh, you know, two and a half baths, jacuzzi on the back porch. I mean, pretty nice, and he goes, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I don't know if, if this suits your needs, but if you'd like to stay here, you know, you're, you're more than welcome. I'm like, suits my needs? It's a little bit below my standards, but I can't be picky because I have a life to live and I have things to do. I'll take it, right? And uh, I said, man, how, how, how much are, are you asking? And he goes, oh, don't, don't, don't worry about it. You know, like, there's, there's no need. I was like, no need for what? Like a down payment or... Rent, payment, no, 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 don't, don't worry about it, just, it's, I just, I, I can afford it, it's, I just want to, I want to be a blessing, so, so what, what are you saying, you're saying you could stay here for free, right, so as a Hispanic, that's like my middle name, right, free, <laughs> Hispanics, amen. Amen. amen, all right, now, I don't know what your ethnicity is, your background, I just know I speak for, for my people and my people, when you say free, our spirit leaps in Jesus' name, and when he said free, he said, "Don't worry. You know what? Just if you want, just uh, just pay forty dollars a month uh, to take care of the electricity and the water." Okay, with the exchange rate, that was actually twenty-five American dollars a month for two years of my life to be living in, in a place that should have cost you know easily at that time a couple thousand dollars a month. And so, I, I want you to hear what, what I'm saying here: is I went from 18 months before, in darkness, in sin, suicidal, broken, rebellious, angry, to God saving me, to putting him first, to watching divine connections start to happen, doors start to open. I didn't know any of that was coming, but that set me up to be able to focus. Are you you looking, are you you hearing what I'm saying? Like that man now, the reason here's why he did that. He was committed to helping people prosper and living generously. Why? He was about my age at that time, which is kind of crazy because I remember thinking he's old, which now means I'm old. <laughs> and he, I talked to him a couple of months ago over Zoom, and it was so good to catch up with him and we, we were talking. But he'd been healed of cancer. So he was in, in, in the final stages of the cancer treatments, and they had told him, it isn't working. He was actually in the hospital. His organs were failing. He called somebody from the... He was not a Christian whatsoever. It had nothing to do with Christianity. He was a, in his own words, a pretty vicious, cutthroat business person who was all about money. And the home he was letting me use was one of three that he had. I think one was in the city of Sydney. Another one was up in the mountains. And then this is just one extra one that he's like, oh, I stay here one or two days a week and then I go back. And, and so he'd been healed of cancer. They tell him, call your family. Your organs are failing. We've done all we can do. You need to tell your family to make arrangements. This is, this is the end, right? He calls his family, but before he calls his family, he calls a pastor from the church. One of the pastors comes over, and I knew who this pastor was. Great, great gentleman. Laid hands on him, prayed for him, and by the next morning, Peter's vitals had changed. And within a few days, he was out of the hospital. Okay, now, I called him about two months ago, and I said, hey, I need to know details, because we talked about this back in the day when I was in my early 20s, and we would talk about this and how you got saved and this miraculous thing and how you came into the kingdom. And by the way, he's, he's spent his entire life making money and building orphanages in these third world countries and starting churches and doing all kinds of stuff, right? He's got all kinds of resources and wealth that he's used continually for the last 25 plus years that I've known him uh, to continue to do God's work in the most remote places you could ever imagine, and I said, I need the details. When, when you said um, you were healed, because I've been telling people this story for years, but like, how did you know you were healed? He goes, I got up out of the bed after three days and I just left. I said, you left the hospital? Yeah, the against doctor's orders. I left. I said, how did you know you were healed? He goes, I knew I was healed. I left. I said, what, well, did they try to stop you? He goes, yes, of course. I said, That's crazy, right? So there was even more boldness to the story than I'd even known. And Peter has since been committed all these years to helping people prosper and live generously. I was one of the first people in his life that he came across for him to be able to have an expanded worldview of a kingdom mindset to now say the wealth and the resources in my hands are not for me. I am blessed to be a blessing. Whatever God pours in, there must be outflow. So, as God pours it in, I pour it out. That's what He was doing, okay? Um, Are you following me so far? All right. When the church is birthed in in, in the New Testament, 3,000 people get saved on the day of Pentecost. And as people are growing in the Lord and they're being filled with the Holy Spirit, you start to see community form, right? So, it's just as much like like this today. You know, you over here may not know this person in the room, but all of a sudden, you guys had this singular common bond now in Jesus Christ. His resurrection, his crucifixion, and the filling of the Holy Spirit in in the apostles who are now going out and, and preaching God's work, and people are getting saved, and the grace of God is filling people's lives, and things are changing. And then you have, boom, the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4, now the full number, which means everyone, the full number of those who believed in Jesus were of one heart and one soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. And there was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. What is happening here? People have been transformed. And they are no longer thinking me, they're thinking we. Now, in the political world and in certain you know, people, they will try to take this passage and make this about something that it's not, politically, socially, economically, okay? And most of it is just using the scripture to fit a political agenda or a social agenda or an economic agenda. Really, what this really is, is the Holy Spirit's work in people transforming their hearts, opening their hearts to which they now open up their wallets, their resources, their lives. They're changed. They have now an expanded world view. It's no longer me. It's we. It's who God puts in my life. It's who God puts in my path. Okay? This first point, real quick. Prospering and living generously is about kingdom-mindedness and kingdom impact. Right? Our king is Jesus, the king of kings. So we're about kingdom-mindedness. We're about kingdom impact. Right? Every single day that we get up and go to work, we're getting up with kingdom-mindedness. Every single act in our life that's done in the name of Jesus, we're believing for kingdom impact. We are not simply living life, going on vacation, having fun, raising the kids, parenting. doing something. If we're still in that mindset, we've missed that an exchange happened. God brought us into something, and he gave us an expanded worldview. Now, here's the problem. We are in the world, but not of the world, and constantly dealing with the forces and the atmosphere and the culture and the values and the language and the systems of this world. And so to live in this world, but not of this world, means we come up against walls that we have to understand are normal and natural, because there's spiritual barriers that we have to deal with. There's natural barriers we have to deal with. Stay with me. We're dealing with something that God has empowered us to deal with. And so a kingdom-mindedness must be happening in our lives for kingdom impact, okay? Like, we have to think God's way if we want to see God's impact. Like, if I just want to see my impact, I'll just do it my way. If I want to see God do something that only God can do, I have to trust God to do it his way, This is with marriage. This is with sex. This is with money. All of these things that are are values and decisions and choices that we make in life, they're all attached and have consequences. And and if we want to see God's blessing, we have to start thinking God's way, right? Um, When you come into Christianity, you are baptized into his kingdom. But here's the thing. You're baptized into all these new values that God's trying to process into your life. Thank God he does a lot of them one at a time. Because it's like a complete change. And some of that is spirit empowered and you're able to do that like miraculously. Like, wow, I was able to let go of this and I was able to be healed of that. And then there's other things that are are trying to bury you. And they've tried to bury people in your last generation and people in your family. And they're knocking on your door as loud as they were before you knew the Lord. They didn't stop knocking. Are you with me? See selfishness and self self That's what's knocking on your door every day. Don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have. I can't do that. I can't help anybody. I've got to do things for myself. I have kids. I have a job. I need to fix the car. I need to help the, the you know do the lawn. I need to do this. I need to get new tires. Like there's always something to take us away from kingdom-mindedness. And the more we add to our life, then the more we have to manage and then the more we have to complain about because we don't have. We even start things in Jesus' name and say it's for God and then don't have time for God. But the very thing he gave us that is blessing us, that was meant to be a blessing, has now become about us. This is is the danger in in praying for things that we can't handle. I often pray, God, give me what you can handle. (laughs) Give me what you can handle because I know in my natural strength... I'm limited, but in you, limitless. You can do things that I cannot do in a million years, right? So selfishness and self-centeredness are not kingdom mindsets. Here's another one that's not a kingdom mindset, an unwillingness to prosper. Where? In all of your life. Because here's what happens. Some people simply have an unwillingness, no desire to move forward. Everything in the kingdom is about moving forward. Everything about Jesus is about moving forward, right? He said, follow me. He didn't say, hey, let's chill here. He said, follow me. Where are you going? Follow me. It's forward movement. It's not backward movement. It's not stationary. It's forward. It's always forward. Come on, everybody say forward. Forward. God is moving you forward. He's moving your family forward. He's trying to move your kids forward. He's trying to move your, your spirit forward. Your mind, your heart, all of these things that God is working in. Are you guys okay? I was on vacation last week. I'm loaded with a double, double barrel today. Amen. Double barrel shotgun, not a double barrel whiskey. Just to be clear. Some people have an unwillingness to prosper. This is good enough. Hey, we're cool. Everything's good. I'm happy. Okay. That's an unwillingness to prosper. Well, I know I need to be healed and, and move forward and get over this, but I don't want to deal with it. That's an unwillingness to prosper. Well, I know there's a marriage group and we need some help, but I'm not going to humble myself. I'm just going to have some hot sex and things will be better for about a week, right? Maybe two. And so people with an unwillingness to prosper suffer. They have relational poverty. Yeah. They have nobody to talk to because they don't integrate into community. They don't integrate into places of, of life and healing. Right. So they're, they're screaming, I have no friends. I have no connections. I have no money. I have no people. I have no notes. Like, okay, where are you sowing your life? Where are you positioning yourself? Yeah. Right? You know, I follow so many people who work out on, uh, on Instagram You know why? Because I don't work out. (laughs) And when I look at them, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. There's like five or six people, about three girls and three dudes, and they're all beasts and they're ripped. Now, as you can see, I'm not exactly ripped. But I look at them and I think, I'm on my way. (laughs) I'm on my way. Because what I keep looking at is expanding the view of where I should be and could be. And when I wanna be lazy, That forces me, I should be doing this, I should be doing that, I should be doing, and I want that in my life, because I want to prosper physically, right? I've got a six-year-old, I'm 48, i got a lot of years I need to be around. Are you with me? Okay? Relational prosperity is so important. See, when we hear the word prosperity, we simply think financial wealth and success. And the Bible is very clear that God does that. That is part of biblical living, how we handle the money God gives us and the resources and talents God gives us. But that's not the only prosperity God is talking about. Um, Third John, chapter 1, verse 2, he says, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. What was he saying? He's saying, Hey, I want you to be healthy and I want you to prosper in the things that are in your life, the things you put your hand to. But more than anything, I want your soul to prosper. Now, our heroes, actors, artists, politicians, authors, musicians, anybody we've admired over the years, um, we have seen all of our lives people who have everything to live with but nothing to live for. Okay, The, the prosperity of the soul is non-existent. It's absent. And when that tank runs empty, people check out or things fall apart. And here he was reiterating, what's so important to your life is that your soul prospers. See, you can be in a wilderness and your soul can prosper. You can be in a test and your soul can prosper. You can be in the hospital and your soul can prosper. Your business can be failing, but your soul can prosper. You may be working to try and find a church property and a church building for Grace Avenue Church, but your soul is still pro- prospering. Amen. So the point, too, is that that prosperity should lead to a change in us which leads to generosity. It's generosity in Jesus' name. Generosity in the name of Jesus. Why? Colossians Three says, whatever you do, everybody say whatever. So whatever you do, whether it's in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. See, this is the gospel shaping and transforming every single day that I get up, every breath I take, every decision that's being made in my family. Every financial decision, every forward thinking decision, decisions with my parenting and my marriage and my kids, what am I thinking? I'm doing all of this in the name of Jesus. This is not just so I can be kind. Like that, that, That's kind of like a buzzword right now. You see that on signs. Be kind. Be kind. Be kind, rewind, right? Be kind. <laughs> okay, we're not just supposed to be kind, we're supposed to be kingdom. See, there's more. God always has more, right? Prospering and living generously, number three, is about being blessed to be a blessing. It's like that guy Peter I was telling you about. One of the first things that was transformed in his heart was he went from a a stingy guy who was spending all he could on himself, self-admittedly, to a guy who meets a stranger and within two minutes gives him a house to live in for two years and then says, okay, so yeah, I want to actually be back for another four days uh, I only come here like on the weekends, and sometimes I won't even come here, but you know uh, here's the key. I'm like, I just met you like pff, 10 minutes ago. like, here's the keys. <laughs> like only a changed heart can do that, right? See your goal is not just to be blessed, and this may be where, where some of you have been been hindering yourself. I hate to say it like that. But maybe the whole goal is just that you're blessed you won't be a blessing with what god gives you. Okay, here's a good way to look at it. Okay? If if you were god, and you're not, but if you were, just to remind you, if you were and god gave you all the prosperity in the world, relational you're connected to everybody. You know everybody and everybody knows you. Emotionally, man, you're one of the most healthy emotionally people. You respond, you don't react, you're, you're solid, you're able to stay in, in the zone like the Holy Spirit has you walking in peace and strength and comfort and awareness all the time. Uh, mental prosperity, financial prosperity, spiritual Imagine, if you've got all of this and God says, I'm going to give all of this to you if there's outflow from your life? Could he give anything to you right now? And that's where we get stuck, because like an apple tree, we'll pick and choose what we want to give. See, God wants us to be a free-flowing vessel, okay? Am I saying that I'm perfect to this? No. Like anybody else, you, you get tested in this stuff all the time, okay? But, but what we're supposed to be is free-flowing Holy Spirit vessels that God moves through, He moves through us. He gives us health and life and and whatever it is, spiritual health, revelation, understanding, and it passes through us. It doesn't stop with us. It doesn't stay with us. We don't just camp out there and say, dude, I'm healed, I'm better, I got the job, things are great. Ask any one of our leaders or pastors in this church. Ask any team leader you're serving on. Ask any group leader. They will tell you. Countless times over the years, people come in, desperate for God, desperate for help, needing help. They get it, and within three to six months, they're gone. Because Jesus was useful, he's not beautiful. And Jesus will always be useful in our life for us to prosper. That's why we need him. But it's supposed to get to the place where he's beautiful. He's everything. There's nothing more than him. There's nothing more we want than him. And there's nothing that's of him that we don't want, and anything that's not of him that comes to us, we end up not wanting it. It is okay to pass up good for God. It is okay to pass up good for God. A good career for one that you know this is not, not going to work. Before I started Grace Avenue Church, there was a couple of opportunities. And Janelle and I, we were struggling financially. We were struggling to, to, to stay afloat and, and to move into the next phase of our life. It was during that housing crash of 2008, house wasn't selling. Every house around ours was selling. Like 25 houses around ours sold. Ours would not sell. It's like God was blocking us in. Somebody needed to hear that today. You're blocked in for a purpose. Stop fighting and trying to kick doors down that God is not opening. Don't waste a year like I did. Somebody needed to hear that. And I remember we were, we were in this position, just just fighting, trying to get to this place where, where we would see God open the door, and, and he didn't. We needed to come to this place. And a couple of opportunities came my way, three, uh, three or four, I remember, at the time. And Janelle and I didn't have peace about them, but I certainly knew in my heart of hearts, like, this is not what I'm supposed to do. I'm not supposed to do this. And it would have been really easy. And, and, and we walked away from it. A couple of different things. And then Grace, Grace Avenue was born in, born in our hearts. We didn't even see that coming. It was really something that God put there. Because we were set on, what this next point is, our hearts, we were wanting our lives to leave a legacy for Jesus. Okay? We wanted that. A legacy that honors Jesus, I'm sorry. We were wanting to leave a legacy that honors Jesus. Like, we want to do his will. Like, I know it sounds crazy, but I don't just want a job. I don't just want a house. I don't just want a car. I don't just want the basic needs. I want to do the will and the purpose of God in my life. I want to die on purpose. Not tomorrow. Not tomorrow. Anytime God wants to, that's his business. But I want it to be on purpose, living on purpose. I put too much into this to ever think of looking back. Put too much into it. Jesus is too beautiful. He does too much in people's lives. I see it day after day after day. I can never doubt you can lay it before me and try to convince me God is not real. Well, I see his work is real. I see his work every day, supernaturally in the lives of people all around me for decades. And I see the power of who he is. All right, let me get back on track here. Are you okay? I've got one minute left, which means you've actually got 10. So let me go back to this. When we think of prosperity, we think of financial wealth and success, in our work, and we think of that in our goals. And the Bible's filled with Scripture about us prospering, yes, in that way, okay? But here's the reality, and somebody really needs to grab hold of this today. Money is false security. Money is false security. Here's the way it's false security, because it promises security it cannot guarantee. Okay, And I want to say something that I don't want, to, want to, to activate fear in you. I just want it to, to bring us into reality. Every single one of us is one job loss away from facing a new reality. One health scare away from facing a new reality. If I have a stroke and I can't speak anymore, one decision, one thing that happens changes the trajectory of this church. Right Now, I don't say that to put fear in anybody. It's this is the reality that we live in, which means what? I must be dependent on God. I can't be dependent on me. I can't be dependent on, well, this church is strong. I hope this church is strong if it's dependent on God. Well, the pastors are strong if Daniel's not there. I hope those pastors are strong if they're dependent on God. Well, the marriages in Grace Avenue, they're they're strong. I hope they're strong if they're dependent on God because you don't know until it's tested. Testing is not something to be afraid of. It's showing you whether or not your soul's prospering. It's showing you by activating Muscles you didn't know were working out. Hey, last week I was working out, and guess what happened? I pulled some back muscles. <laughs> Here I was trying to do the right thing, and you know what? They weren't even heavy weights. They weren't even heavy weights. They were just light reps, and I'm just like, all right, I got this, all right. Oh, these 15-pounders. This is easy. This is easy. I'll do just a few more reps, right? Next day I'm like, oh, Janelle, get the ice pack. Uh oh. I had to go get a massage, spent twice the amount on the massage than my actual gym membership (laughs) costs me. I'm paying the piper. Why? Because I haven't been about prospering. And it's catching up. And now I have to work harder. And now I have to think smarter, right? And the reality is, we do this with money. We we, we think, oh man, this this is going to be it, this will solve the next thing. But then something else will happen. And at the very least, something else could happen. And look, Jesus, Jesus said this, money cannot be your master. He said you will love one or hate the other. And this is what, what some of us need to be delivered from today. You need to be delivered from money being your master. Look, m- money is a great servant. It's a terrible master. It will drive you into the ground drive you to misery. And when people lose their faith because they lost their money, like, guys, I've been tested with that too. I've been tested with starting over a few times and just the reality of, of life, facing loss and, and death and, and, and sorrow and different things. And guys, these things, I can't tell you you can escape them. I can tell you they will test you. They will test the prosperity of your soul. Look what 1 Timothy 6 says. But those who desire to be rich. Anybody want some money today? Before I read the rest of this verse, just be careful here. But those who desire, in other words, there's this insatiable hunger. I just want money. I want more. They fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Look, I don't have to convince you of this. The reality is we see people all the time that have everything to live with, but don't know what they're living for. We see it all the time, okay? So what is the remedy? He says this in verse 17, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, okay? So what is God saying there? He's talking to rich people. Now, would you consider yourself rich? There's <laughs> a whole bunch of heads going, no. Some are like, can I shake my head or No. Okay, let me just say that every single person in this room is rich, filthy rich, by the world's standards. Okay, there are three billion people on this earth in extreme poverty right now that won't even make a dollar this month. And when you put that into this perspective that, that you have literally more wealth that you will spend on a cup of coffee tomorrow morning or lunch today that some people will not make in the next three to five years... It should put things in perspective. It should bring us back to gratitude. It should bring us back to, to an awakening. Like, hang on a second. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm, I'm not there. And yet, some, impoverished people sometimes are some of the most happy people. Well, I bet they'd be happier with a house and a car. Okay, I get your cynicism. I get it. I get it. But the reality is they're still walking through it with joy And you'll scroll for two hours on your phone, depressed. We need to end. (laughs) God commands generosity. This is not an option. He commands it, okay? See, he loves a cheerful giver. Each person must decide in their heart what to give. This is not a matter of whether or not you like it. It's not a matter of what you believe in it. He commands it. And a transformed heart can give freely. Because we realize nothing we own is ours. You know, when, when Pastor Jake, he started this church, which is amazing. You know, he, he needed a church building to start his church. We offer that to them. You know, we, we, what an opportunity to be able to help another church. He said, we'll be there on Sunday mornings. He's like, yeah, well, we want to use it Sunday nights, right? It was Sunday nights. I was like, like Peter, the guy from Australia. Here's the keys. Isn't that an amazing opportunity? To be able to help another church. Now they're not trying to find a building. They're not trying. Like he was able to use that six to nine months to focus on people and then boom, able to launch their church. And now they're doing great. And God wants to do that through our lives with the things, the blessing, the prosperity he pours into our life every spiritual blessing, every mental, emotional blessing, every career blessing, every financial thing he pours into us. God sees our generosity. He sees it. He doesn't just command it. He sees it. There are, I'm rounding out here. Give me three more minutes. When Jesus sees men bringing their wealth and putting it in the basket, it says Jesus saw this and he saw that they were putting in to the offering from their wealth. And then he said, then there was the widow who lacked and she gave out of her lack. And Jesus said, take notice of this. These people gave out of their overflow and what they have. This person gave out of her lack. This is the person you should be like. He honors it. He celebrates it. But here's the thing that blows me away. Jesus sees what we're giving. Jesus sees what we're not giving. Jesus sees the motive of our heart. Jesus sees the motive of of this church's heart what we're doing with the finances God gives us, how we're helping, who we're helping. God sees generosity. God measures our generosity. You know, as you sow, you will reap. If you sow much, you will reap much. If you sow little, you will reap little. You're like, dang, that's not fair. I know. <laughs> that's the way God works. See, if it, if it were up to us, we'd just receive all the time. I love you, God. Give me more. Why? Because you love me. I do. What are you sewing? Well, if you give me more, I'll sew. No, you won't. <laughs> You're not sewing with what's in your hand. We always think the answer is more. Lastly, God builds with our generosity. He calls us to go into the world. People, churches, businesses, entrepreneurs, ministries. We build with our generosity. We build with what God puts in our hand. Now, as we close this morning... This is, like I said, the lifeblood of the kingdom of God. Prosperity and generosity are not evil words. They're not bad words. They're biblical words. That God's people are supposed to understand from his perspective and his heart. We're supposed to understand that in Christ we have spiritual riches. That in him we have everything for this life and the next to prosper. In my heart for Grace Avenue Church... Is that this would be a prosperous church in every area of life. I don't want you apologizing for making a lot of money, ever. I want you to make as much as you want and as much as you can for the glory of God, for his kingdom, for the temporary amount of time you've been on this earth. See, spiritual maturity and spiritual prosperity that can sustain you. That lasts, that lasts a long time. Okay. Natural prosperity, often it ebbs and flows. Money comes, money goes. When it's low, you can't cash out and quit. You can't quit life. You can't quit faith. You can't quit praying. You can't keep thinking this is a season. There will be another season where it flows. Right now it's it's there's a backflow, <laughs> but it's coming. And we have to trust God enough in these low seasons. We tried to find a church property last year. First church tried to mislead us and lied to us. Can you believe that? Some of you are like, yeah. <laughs> Second church did some shady stuff. Third church is Greedy. Wants almost a million dollars more than what it's actually worth. I'm just trying to lead our church into the next season. And these are the battles we've been facing behind the scenes. It's not time to quit, it's time to prosper in our soul. We're not giving up. We're going to keep searching. We're going to find God's best. We're going to do things righteous. We're going to do things with integrity. We're going to do things according to God's word. We're not going to be turned or moved by what the economy says. You know, when we started Grace Avenue, that was in the housing downturn of 2008. Within the next two years, everybody was in difficult shape financially. People were telling me, Daniel, this is the worst time to start a church. It is the absolute worst time to start a church. People won't give. And guess what? They didn't. But over time, God prospered Grace Avenue because God prospered his people. And God's going to prosper you. So here's where we're closing now. Stand up with me. You stayed with me for this long? Let me put the cherry on top of this. I felt this morning when I was praying and last night when I was thinking through things that the main thing God wanted to do today was release people from fear about money. Fear is silent, and it stays silent. It stays in the background, and it stays in the shadows. And then it makes itself known in the worst times, in the times where you need courage and you need vision, and you need foresight, and you need perseverance, and you need persistence, and you need to fight, and you need to move forward. Fear makes its way to knock on your door. Always happens, always will, because that's how fear works. And when it comes to money, that, that is the, the enemy's main strategy, to get us dependent on something, like the Bible calls it mammon. It's a spirit, right? And Jesus said, hey, here's the thing with money. You're always going to need it. It's always going to be around. Guess what? It shouldn't be your master. It's going to fail you. It's going to plunge you into to the depths of destruction. Don't, don't go there. Use it for my glory, right? And, and I, I feel like today some of you need a fresh commitment for yourself on your own financial outlook about why God has blessed you or why you want him to bless you, why he should bless you. I want to pray that fear would be gone off of your life. You'd be broken. Maybe you didn't get the tools. Maybe everybody in your family line doesn't handle money the best. Maybe they, 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 they waste money, right? Or they, they spend it. They never invest it. They don't think about it in any, way, any other way than something that's temporary. I want to pray that that would be broken. It's a threshold you have to cross over one way or another. You'll be dragged into it. Through mistakes, or you can willingly step into it and trust God is leading you. So would you bow your heads and let me pray. And I want to pray for your freedom. I want to pray that a spiritual transfer would take place right now. That God would remove fear. Whether you're 18 or 80, let God be your master. Let God be your teacher. Let him be your sufficiency. Let him be your portion. Let him fill you. So Lord, I pray for every person this morning, what they're walking in, what they're walking through, what they grew up with, some of the struggles they saw, some of the fears that they had. Lord, you know, you know the hearts of your people this morning. So God, as I'm praying in your spirit, is raining down right now, even as I speak in this room, healing, bringing comfort, bringing peace, bringing fresh strategy, fresh understanding. Lord God, thank you. Thank you that you're blessing your people with peace. You say you give peace that the world cannot give. Peace that only you give in you. Thank you, God, that you are the bread of life, the living water for us this morning, our spiritual prosperity. is before us this morning fill us Lord God remove every fear those of us who have been held captive in bondage from a fear of poverty from a fear of inability from even a fear of prospering Lord God I pray that anyone with a fear to prosper would be changed this morning God let them prosper in your name Let them prosper for your glory. Let them prosper to build what you have for them in their life, their business, their relationships in this church. Some of you right now, you feel a real sense of comfort, and that is God right now assuring you and reaffirming to you He is your source. He is your source. You can trust him. He is your source. It is not the American economy. It's not the bank. It's not the job. It's not the deal that goes through. It's not the new business. It's not the current job. It's not the inheritance you might get. It's a God dependency that God is bringing you into this morning. Some of you are going to be set free today. And this is going to be the story that you use about how God freed you and how you lead others to success, how you led others. It's it's not sinful to be afraid. We all face fears. God doesn't want any gods before him, and fear is a lousy God. It's a terrible God. Set your people free this morning, Lord God. Money can no longer be an idol. It must be a tool. It must be something that passes through the vessel. The spiritual prosperity that God gives you will lead you to handle everything that comes into your hands with righteousness. Stay close to Jesus. As you stay close to Jesus, you will know what decisions to make, which ones to let go, who to bless who to help. Pray for the prosperity of Grace Avenue Church, Lord God. Prosper them spiritually, emotionally, relationally, mentally, and financially, Lord God. Prosper marriages, prosper single lives, prosper careers, prosper dreams and goals, prosper visions, and things people have set, written down, or typed out for the future, Lord God. Bless those things. Lord God, I pray that they would be vessels of righteousness to use what you've given them for the kingdom of God, to serve the king of kings. Lord, you will not just be useful in our lives. You will be beautiful in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. I pray that that word blessed you. If you'd like to know more about Grace Avenue Church or want to know more about how to be a part of what God has called us to here in the city of San Antonio, or if you'd like to sow financially into our vision and mission, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you soon.